There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Remember that that fourth trimester is also a gift to your baby. Yeah. Um, it is a gift of your presence, which is just so invaluable. Remember that parenting is all about relationships and relationships take time. I mean, you know, of course, many believe in love at first sight, but I think most of us will say that our relationships in our life have taken time Mm -hmm. and a lot of effort and a lot of work. And it's no different to parenting a little baby. The fourth trimester. What is it? What does that even mean? We've done the hard yards with the pregnancy and the birth. Can't we just focus on the baby now? I had no idea what the golden months were. I went back to work part-time, four weeks postpartum with my son. It was a terrible mistake. I was depleted and unwell for months. I started having conversations about why taking care of the mother is so vital during this season of motherhood. How can we support her? I promised myself that I would do things differently if there was another baby. So this is it. Conversations with leading experts that cover every angle of the fourth trimester. The best bit is while you're listening, I'm giving birth and putting all of this into practice. It feels indulgent and excessive, but I think that's the problem with our society. We don't honour the mother enough, her healing, her experiences. So today, we start. Dr Tanya is a clinical psychologist who's passionate about supporting individuals and their families navigating this unique journey into parenthood. From trying to conceive, pregnancy, birth and beyond, she is there. Tanya has always combined her clinical work with a strong research foundation, and her PhD and research has predominantly been in the area of maternal depression and anxiety. I thought it was crucial to talk to Tanya because as much as it's a physical shift, the impact on the family dynamic and the mother, mentally, is something we need to address. Tanya, you are a perinatal clinical psychologist. That's right, yes. Can you explain what that actually means? Um, Look, it means I'm a psychologist that focuses on supporting women and their families uh, during the perinatal period, which is uh, during pregnancy, but also includes the first 12 months postpartum. And I think it's important to include both phases, so the antenatal and postpartum together, because I I do think it captures better, you know, the time of life and the transitions that that we're talking about. Are you feeling in Western culture, are you seeing more people leaning in towards looking after their mental health through this period, or are you seeing it being a band-aided 
I just got to get on with it. This is what everyone expects of me. I think a little bit of both. Um, I think there certainly is increased awareness and I think um, there is a lot of work going into uh, things like universal screening for all pregnant women. Um, certainly there's a lot more research and awareness on um you know, keeping mental health and, and women's mental health and the health of the family um, as, as, as really, really important and it's just as important as the, the physical aspect. But um, at the same time, you know, there's also an increase um, pressure in the expectations that, that women have. You know, the, the, the shift has brought about lots of benefits like the increased involvement of partners and, and you know, increased access to supports. But at the same time, there's this expectation that's also increasing that we, we can therefore do it all because, hang on, you know, you've got now uh, partners that are around. So, you know, isn't that helpful? But with that happening, we've also seen a reduction in the community aspect mm. that historically used to happen. So I think there's a little bit of both happening and it's it's tricky to manoeuvre. <laughs> Dr. Oscar Sellerak says that there has been this incredible research that shows uh, the mother's brain and the upgrades that happen throughout pregnancy and birth. Do you also see, because it's so incredibly overwhelming, that period, mm. birthing, postnatal, even pregnancy, you know, we have really tough pregnancies, some of us women and the birthing process, <laughs> yep. you know, all of it, all, yeah. all these stages. And it seems like there's not a lot of space to unpack the changes and to mm. sit in the stages and the transition. So it's all good and well to have these incredible upgrades uh, in the brain. But what are you feeling we need what kind of support do we need emotionally and mentally through these phases? What what would be an ideal way to work with this? It's a hugely confusing time and um, it's confusing on lots of levels physically. Uh, you know, our bodies are going through so many changes that are confusing and, of course, emotionally, psychologically, um, it's it's really, really tough. And you're absolutely right that um, we, we need space for that yeah, processing yeah. Um, and that can be really, really hard to create. So, you know, not only do we need um sometimes just the physical space from the logistics of day-to-day -day life. Like we really lead um, such a busy pace and that's our norm now. And so to create the physical space from the demands of that busyness can be really tricky and circumstances for family can vary so widely um, that certainly those challenges also vary really widely and how mm. much access we have to support can really vary. Yeah. Um, so I guess you were asking though what would be ideal. Yeah. I mean it would be so fabulous for women to be able to I, th I think freely communicate what it is they need but that sounds simple, but it's so complicated, so complicated. And often, because it is such a confusing time, women are confused about what would 
genuinely be helpful you know <laughs> if it was that easy we'd just say it but yeah. you know sometimes it just comes out in things like I just need some help mm. and you know even if women that particular person is well resourced the people around them might not quite know what that means like what do you mean by you need help please you know be more specific so that can be tough um, is actually communicating well what it is specifically that would be helpful so practicing in the lead up to that postpartum period so practicing during pregnancy I think communicating really well with partners and together working on that village, you know, that saying that we hear a lot, it takes a village, um, but sometimes we're kind of sitting twiddling our thumbs going, where is that village and, you know, when are they coming? Um, so working preemptively and during pregnancy on that village is really important. So just being really practical. Who is that GP that you really can trust and can talk to? Does your partner know who that GP is so that if they need to make an appointment for you, they can do that easily? You know, maybe call up some lactation consultants or know what is available to you through your maternity ward or through the hospital. Um, writing all of these things down, make a list about, uh, you know, who who's in your life, what family and friends are good at doing different things. You know, we all have that family member who's really willing to cook up a storm for us, but sometimes we experience them as a little bit critical or some of the things they say just, you know, <laughs> while they might have good intentions, might hurt. And so we know, okay, that's a really good person to ask for them to, for us to ask to make some meals. Yeah. But that's not the person that we would go to if we're feeling really vulnerable and just a bit sad and we just want to chat and an empathic ear. But this person, this particular friend is really great at that. So, you know, having a little think about where are your strengths in, in the support network that you have. Already available. Already available, yeah. What do you think about partners and maybe some preemptive work before or during pregnancy before the birth mm. to get everyone on the same page? Because it's really like it's easy to say, you know, talk to your partner and explain what you need, but for them to sometimes really get it, I mm. feel like a therapist in the room can be really valuable to lead the conversation through your experience do you think that there is uh, a missing link between the partners really understanding it before they're thrown in the deep end or do they generally need to get in you know the baby's here and oh shit we're kind of underprepared now what do we do Mm. I think it's not just partners. I think it's yeah. for women as well. Yeah, that that leap can seem huge. Um, and, you know, sometimes some women can feel or think that they're super well prepared and then, you know, things don't quite line up the way, you know, all of a sudden that baby brings something into that mix that, throws everybody by surprise and so I think what's really important is with all of this while preparedness is good perhaps the the most important part to all of this is flexibility as well 
And look, for partners, this is just as confusing a time as it is for um, women adjusting to motherhood. And most of the time partners, you know, they want to help, um, but particularly for men, um, their fallback can sometimes be into falling into a fix-it mode. That sometimes isn't necessarily what's useful um, in, in those moments where things are falling apart. It's more just being able to sit with some of that uncertainty, some of that confusion, some of the trauma, and that's really hard, um, you know, and and sitting with that confusion and being with, it's often what's required as a first step and then being able to, to also pull in those fix-it um, abilities is great as well. I know I went with my first child. I had a a bit of an identity crisis Mm. in pregnancy where I was like, well, this isn't going to change me. (laughs) I'm not just a mum. I am all of these other things as well as being a mother. And this pressure to prove that made me really unwell in the long Mm. term. Mm. And what I feel now and what I see a lot and what I hear a lot is women losing themselves in motherhood versus, Mm. you know, and I think the the two kind of sides of the coin is I was trying to push against it. Some women are surrendering, but then feeling like they're drowning. Yes. Can we talk about the identity crisis and how we can, I guess, surrender to that or understand it or know when it, we move through it. I think we just need a little bit of navigation there. It's just such a time of vulnerability. Uh, I don't think um, there is another time when you are feeling so vulnerable and all of a sudden everything is being brought into question. You know, what is your idea of motherhood and what does it mean to be a mum to you? Um, So all of those big questions are being navigated, but perhaps at a time when you are the most exhausted and the most sleep deprived. So it's it's particularly unfair, right? (laughs) You're trying to work all of these things out um, when you are most under-resourced. But the other thing that goes on when you become a parent is, of course, you start to think about your own experiences of being parented. And so um, particularly for people who may have had a a tough time, um, and sometimes, you know, that can be traumatic experiences but but even just trying to work out you know what did my parents do well um and what what do I think I'd like to do differently so all of that is coming into play at a time when you're most vulnerable and there's so many pressures going on and I think this is why talking about the fourth trimester is so important and that bubble of having some space to do all of this thinking and talking is so important. There's there's a part of me, because I've really committed to giving myself this gift, which it should be for every woman available to have the time and the resources to support the fourth trimester. I love that idea of it being a gift. That's beautiful. Yep. (laughs) There's a part of me that is excited because I'm going to get a massage, but there's also the other part that's like, I don't know if I can not do anything for six weeks to three months. Mm. And 
I'm going to go crazy and I'm going to want to, you know, achieve or something, in, at least in the house. Do you think it's mindfulness or is it breath work or what is it for people like me that go, okay, so then you're going to get, you're going to give yourself the time, but then you're going to freak out when you get it. Mm. I think remembering that that bubble, you're not alone in that bubble. There's another little person (laughs) in there with you. And I can assure you that they will be all consuming um, during that time. So I'd love to hear about the times where you're going to be sitting around doing nothing because, you know, I suspect that won't be a lot of the time. So remember that sometimes just being with your baby is enough. Yeah. I think I've forgotten that there is someone with me, you know. Yes. yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the fantasy part coming up. <laughs> yeah, it's like, okay, no, that's true. I still have to tend to yes. a newborn and a yes. toddler. Yes. So that's It's also lot. amazing how quickly we forget as to how time-consuming it is to breastfeed, feed, change, sleep. And, you know, it's like, oh, I did nothing in the house. But, no, hang on, I've just been (laughs) flat out trying to just get this baby to sleep for 40 minutes. Um, Yes, look, remember that that fourth trimester is also a gift to your baby. Yeah. Um, it is a gift of your presence, which is just so invaluable. Remember that parenting is all about relationships and relationships take time. I mean, you know, of course, many believe in love at first sight, but I think most of us will say that our relationships in our life have taken time Mm -hmm. and a lot of effort and a lot of work. And it's no different to parenting a little baby. You know, they, it takes time. It takes time to build on on getting to know this little person, on how they communicate, on what their needs are. They're all different. Some women feel resentful to their partners when they are the life force for the child in these early stages and the partner can leave the house and work or um, have a coffee on his lunch break or, you know, have silence in the car. That kind of inner conflict that happens because you know it's irrational and they've got to go do what they've got to do. But how do we... I think sometimes just acknowledging it, you know, what you've just said then, Zoe, is is often sufficient, you know, just being able to explain to your partner, look, I am completely aware this is irrational, but I'm tired and, you know, I haven't been able to enjoy a coffee. So sometimes just acknowledging it um, and being able to own it. <laughs> Yeah. is enough. And so, you know, they might then be able to offer to, you know, allow you some time to go have a shower and enjoy a hot coffee as a, and, and just to sit outside for a little bit without the baby. Also sometimes reminding partners that they can do everything that mum can do except for breastfeeding, of course. So, yeah. you know, particularly for dads who might feel that or, or you know, parenting partners who might feel that they're um, missing out on that bonding time that happens when mum is breastfeeding or or feeding baby, um, to encourage them uh, 
that just getting in there and giving it a go uh, is just as important and really important in for, for building their own relationship with the baby. So, yeah. you know, they might not feel as confident about trying to settle baby to get to sleep, but encouraging them to give it a go. And all they have to do is just hold baby and rock and, that, you know, baby might cry, but, you know, that's not anything that they're necessarily doing and they're just being with and that's okay. Could you, you brought up a good point that just triggered something for me in the early days of bringing baby home and that was the overwhelming like the crying and the overwhelming feeling of I can't explain it like it's almost hellish you know when you can't you know those babies are going through witching hour or they're Mm. cluster feeding or they're you cannot settle them. And we've all been there. You know, some some women have it so much worse because there's colicky babies and things like that. It feels like in those moments, like time stops, right? And it's never, ever, nothing's going to be the same or restored ever again. Hmm. Do you have any coping techniques for when shit hits the fan? Certainly talking to, you know, child health and family nurses about settling techniques and things like that. Parents are often surprised with how loud babies can be. Yeah. And it, it, you know, and when you, especially when you have them right near your ear, it's like, oh, my goodness. Um, so, and, of course, it also depends on the baby. And this is the part that's really tricky is that you won't know until you meet this little person what they're going to be like and that's why that getting to know you time is really really important because there's huge variability and certainly um, some babies cry really really loud and uh, it it can uh, it kind of hits you in a place that you've never known existed sometimes and I can even hear like you just thinking about that time where you know it it, it makes us tense right like it's, yeah it's there's something um, very primal about it. Um, look, I think lots of trying to stay calm, which is really, really difficult, but lots of um, breathing, reminders that actually just being with your baby is sometimes all they are needing from you. Of course, once you've done all the basic, are they fed, are they changed, you know, once you have gone through the list of things that you often get from the hospital, this is what a baby needs once they start crying. And sometimes you know, they're doing their own processing. It's really scary bringing out in the <laughs> big wide world and, you know, they're learning to regulate their own emotions as well and that's the only way they have to communicate. So sometimes just reminding yourself of those things. Remember, this baby also can feel fear. This baby can also feel sadness. And this baby might also be trying to work out what is going on. You know, there's, mm. you know, people in my face and there's lights and it's all just new. Um, but, you know, as much as possible having somebody around when it, it's getting particularly tough is helpful. I often talk about you know the parent that's holding the baby but who's holding that parent okay and so 
we as parents need holding as well. And most of the time that might come from our partner, but not always. Um, you know, it may come from our own parents. It may come from that village that we talked about. Maybe it's that friend or, you know, and it is okay to call on them. Because mm. that's the thing is no one tells you everything you need to know. You know, it's um, lots of people give you a crazy look and it's like, good luck. But <laughs> um, there was times when uh, I remember needing sleep so desperately that I would go to sleep after the six o'clock feed and wake up for the 10 o'clock feed and then go back to sleep to the morning. And I remember my husband feeding me and just looking at him going, when will I see you again? Like you're at work all day. I go to bed at six. I'm up, you know, and it felt like forever. Mm. And I think now in retrospect, it's like, oh God, it's such a moment in time. But I, I would have really loved someone to kind of say, things are going to feel really slow and stuck and sometimes unbearable, but it is so momentary. And that I think would be a saving grace to remember or to be reminded of this isn't forever. Yeah, absolutely. And the the phrase that many midwives and uh, many people in the field will use is it will pass. Yeah. And, that, you know, as frustrating as that might sound when it actually feels like this will never pass, just a really gentle reminder, it will pass, it will be okay. And, of course, you know, when you're expecting your second, you have a different perspective of that idea. You you know that while it may feel like forever, things do start to change after a few months if you survive. Yeah. Like. <laughs> but, you know, you do get a different perspective, but absolutely when you're in the middle of it, it, it can seem really lonely too, really hard. And then it feels also a little bit maddening to have a second child when you've been through all of this and survived it. And then you're going to bring a newborn home with a small child to have to manage as well. I mean, have you dealt with second, third, fourth time mothers or mothers of duplicates on, um, do you just have to go with it? Like, I'm just feeling like, is it all yeah. surrender? <laughs> um yes yes and no um that that word in itself can feel a bit loaded for for many women you know because that sometimes can also seem like that's out of control the idea of surrender um you know I I I like the word acceptance, you know, more of just accepting that at the moment this is the world and this is the life that my family is in but I know that things will improve and there's lots of reasons why you choose to have a second baby. Sometimes it's not a choice, but, you know, there's lots of, you know that there's also lots of magic in parenting and that's what keeps you going back, mm. <laughs> you know, as for all the awful nights, that gaze that you get from your baby, that, that you know, the coo, the gurgle and the smile just, you know, melts your heart and then, you know, and so then that's what we also need to really remember and know that things do change and things will improve and things will get better. Now, of course, sometimes they don't. I, I will need to 
um, you know, we'll need to talk about that as well. But sometimes they don't. And absolutely, um, there are times when that struggle can continue and can be really, really tough. Um, but it is the uncertainty of what is going to come, you know, uh, your second or third or fourth pregnancies and births and um, babies are all different. And so, you know, no baby is ever born into the same family. It's what I often say, yeah. you know. So your first was born into a family um, and your second will be born into a different family, <laughs> um, even though, of course, it's the same people, but that's not what I mean, you know. It's going to be very different circumstances. I feel like it's a really a, a tricky thing and, and you did say if it doesn't get better and we've had a um, an episode on extreme postnatal depression on the deep before. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Is that what you're talking about? Yeah, look, and sometimes it doesn't have to be extreme, um, but absolutely I am talking about depression and anxiety, which we know is very common, particularly in the postpartum period. Um, it is common during pregnancy as well. Um, yep. in, in fact, you know, uh, one in ten women will experience depression or anxiety during pregnancy. But often, particularly if it's your, you know, women might feel like they can manage, that hormones are often blamed. Um, You know, you don't have that element in the equation that might tip people to to actually seek help. Um, So sometimes, you know, it's adding the baby into the mix that really, um, starts to amplify some of the symptoms that, that women might experience. We've got a whole episode on and show notes on how you can get support there. Mm-hmm. But when it is a hormonal or a chemical imbalance, that is something different, isn't it, to just being overwhelmed? Yes. Um, yeah, look, I think... Um, I think it's more about because I often get asked, well, how do I know when to seek help? Like what, yeah. when does it tip over? Yeah. And that's a really tricky question because trying to work that out, like, you know, if you didn't have a baby in that mix, we're looking at sleep change, appetite change, um, you know, feeling motivated and all of those things when you've got a baby, you're like, well, yeah, <laughs> Of course my sleep has changed of course my appetite has changed and you know I'm not feeling as motivated as I normally and I'm just exhausted so it's really hard to know um but I I often ask when you feel I think women underestimate their own self-awareness sometimes you know often women are aware that they don't feel quite right but they try to push it aside or try to feel like no I can continue I also talk about listening to the people around you who care about you. You know, often there are partners who are expressing some concern that can sometimes feel critical and that's not the place that they're coming from. But when you're not feeling well yourself, you know, that's how it can feel. But I think if you start to worry about how you're feeling or if you are distressed by how you're feeling and you notice that you're just not functioning to the level that you thought you would be, then it's probably a good good time to just have a chat to someone. Now, just because you have a chat to your GP doesn't mean that, you know, because often women snowball and go, well, that means I'm not coping and I'll be medicated maybe, and exactly, I'll 
And yeah. they'll tell me to take antidepressants and I don't really mm. want to do that. And the psychologist, can I really afford the time or the money to, to do, you know, so it all starts to snowball. But sometimes just starting a conversation, your GP is a really good place to do that because the other thing that needs to happen is we need to rule out any physical things. And, you know, we've talked about this the whole time is that, um, you know, there are so many changes happening physically that we really need to make sure that there isn't anything going on um, that can be also contributing to how you're feeling. So certainly deficiencies, thyroid, yes. um, blood pressure, all of those things. And your body's recovering as well from birth. So starting a conversation is the first step. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. The... Dynamics that change within the household, like you said, with one child or with two, bonding and family bonding and parental bonding with the child. Is that, you know, because I've heard so many honest women say, it took me about six weeks to love my mm. baby, or it took me longer, or my husband didn't feel really connected until the kid was saying dada or, you know, this is not an overnight thing. Uh -uh. (laughs) And it can also be very scary, I think, for a lot of families. What is going on here? And are there some techniques or ways that you can create better bonds or is that just a natural process? Oh, no, there's definitely um, things that we can do to try to facilitate some of that bonding and, um, a lot of the work that I do is parent-infant psychotherapy and that's specifically what we focus on is how can we build some of that bonding and some of the the relationship um, that sometimes just needs a a little bit of support and a little bit of help. For many it might come absolutely naturally and that's fabulous, but for others not so much. Um, Look, we I've... I mentioned it earlier, but we often do talk about just creating some space. Um, There's things like mutual gaze that is so important in those first, sometimes even first few hours. We don't even realise, but how babies are already wired from the very beginning to be seeking us out and to be uh, seeking out a relationship. So understanding that just pausing and taking some time to look at your baby when they're receptive, okay, it's not a good time to be doing it when they're screaming the house down. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, you you will notice that sometimes when baby is quiet and is just looking around the room, that's a really good time to just hold them contained and to just look at one another and talk. Talking to babies is such a, a valuable thing to be doing in terms of building a relationship. Um, so mutual gaze, that's a, a, a really important strategy that yeah. we talk about. 
should you do that with your partner too? <laughs> yeah. Think, you know, everyone's feeling a little disconnected. Yeah. Look, if you, we often uh, show there's some great videos about, and, you know, this is a great way to include partners too. So absolutely mutual gaze between couples, but this is a great way to include dad in all of this. So mm. often in those few hours postpartum, you know, sometimes mum and bub might be separated if it's been, a, a particularly difficult delivery that's a really lovely time to to bring dad in and to be showing him some of these things that baby is already doing um skin to skin contact is a, is another one um so all of these just little moments and it's just about adapting you know remember in our own relationships eye contact is important and it's a similar sort of concept um, but it's just being receptive to it what happens is we get so busy with the doing that we forget how important that part is and I get it like we we really need to work out well what is this baby's routine and how am I going to feed this baby and what what (laughs) what nappies work best so that it doesn't go you know so all of these things are preoccupying our minds so sometimes just creating some space for the communication to happen and to start to develop and evolve um, is is helpful so sometimes that's what all we might do in the therapy room is um, sit with mum and bub and just together wonder what might baby be thinking what might baby be feeling right now and just um, encouraging that communication and what about a three-year-old boy mm-hmm. and a newborn baby? What, it's fun. <laughs> <laughs> it's, I've heard lots of um, different techniques on having the older child feel honoured and part. Yeah. yeah. How, <laughs> what are some, I mean, there's quite a few popular ones, but could you reiterate some that you think are really valuable? I think the emphasis on his new role is always really important. You know, he's going to be a big brother um, and starting to include him in some of that communication that we've just talked about. So he can totally sit with you quietly, you know, and often they're just so keen to help. You know, would you like to go and get your favourite toy so that we can really slowly show the new baby because he is or she has never seen this new toy so let's wonder together you know and they might go get it and you know you explain how you've got to hold it just a little bit away from baby's face and we need to be very gentle because baby can't see it if you put it right up close you know so just including them in those really tiny moments I Mm. think is what's super important is there a proper way to introduce siblings yeah, lots of people have different ideas about this. I don't I don't think there's a proper way. I mean, it's just so different for every family. It even depends on what might be going on in society. I mean, COVID really impacted families in terms of being able to introduce new babies and how that was done. You know, that was really, uh, really, really tough for a lot of families, you know. So, um Certainly in the past when there's been home births, I mean, there's been siblings present uh, during the birth and there you go, that's the introduction, you know. So I think it's, it's, it 
can vary a lot on the circumstance. It can vary a lot, of course, on the delivery, how well mum is, um, you know, what, what family is involved, whether you have support from other families so your partner can be there with you, you know, obviously um, ensuring that they feel special, ensuring that it's it's quite a special little ritual. But I think for every family, it needs to be what feels right for them, you know. And all of a sudden, for a lot of families, it became when baby came home rather than visiting in the hospital. And what about once the vagina is healed and things are in a bit of a rhythm, reclaiming intimacy with your partner again with all of these outside factors involved. This can be really hard, I think, on both parties. Is this something you've had to deal with? Absolutely. And there's a lot of pressure too to kind of bounce back in lots of ways, you know, and sex being one of them, (laughs) Um, you know, even at that six-week check being like us, just like, what? That is like the furthest thing on most women's mind. Um, Look, it's, it's really, really tricky. I would always encourage partners that it's just going to take time everybody's very different there's a lot of reassurance that's often needed which is hard because it's usually not spoken about necessarily you know that it is okay to just take time there is no pressure Um, and going back to the basics of reconnecting again Mm. you know there has been a A, a really significant life event that has happened and that you are both changing as individuals, as parents, and it's almost like you need to reconnect again, um, which also means that you need to get back to getting to know one another again. Yeah. You know? uh, he couples all the time, yeah, we went out, but we didn't really have much to talk about or <laughs> all we talked about were the kids and so what's, you know, but that's okay kind of going with that you know, because right now that is what is front of mind. But so long as you're spending time together and being able to talk to one another, yeah, that's really where the intimacy starts because, uh, you know, sex and the physical connection can't happen unless you feel emotionally connected to one another. And there's some really great, like, little resources that it might sound silly, but I know Flex Mommy has some playing cards which are conversation starters. And if you are so tired and you're trying to just, like, get together and hang out and you can't, you don't even know what to talk about, pull a card out. And, yeah, that's great. Yeah. You know, just have a fun time. I think fun is something that is often missed in this stage. And it would be so, because, you know, like you said, it's full of vulnerability, the unknown, it's terrifying. And what if we could really make some of it enjoyable, like, and have a bit of fun and be a bit silly as well? I think that would be so like helpful for the mental health of the family unit. Mm. Sometimes it takes a bit of effort though. It doesn't necessarily (laughs) come naturally when you are so tired. So sometimes it's like, oh, I need to consciously make an effort to just do something a little bit silly and kind of go with that. Um, yeah. because it's, it is like that icebreaker. I love the conversation starters. I used to use a lot of those when I was working with adolescents, <laughs> you 
because it's a similar sort of awkwardness of oh you know but they're great they're they're, you know and it's amazing how just going back to basics in terms of getting to know one another again is 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 really really helpful yeah yeah I know I have struggled more this pregnancy than last with the physical changes which sounds really strange because you think I'd be used to it how do you deal with women and this is often not discussed openly at all women and the feeling of loss of control in the body Mm. it requires again a lot of acceptance and going with and it can often be really complicated because women you know many of us have a tricky relationship with our body as it is yes and then it can almost feel like it's deceiving us even further you know um so it's it is a it I I think that's a a really complicated conversation and I think it, it is very dependent on the individual and how they they and you know for many women they've never perhaps had issues with their body and all of a sudden uh, you know there are new things that they're feeling and thinking about themselves that um can can seem a bit concerning for them you know I'm a talker so yeah. always I think talking acknowledging noticing so it, just starting with the noticing that these things are, are going on in my body um observing them try not to judge you know and you mentioned mindfulness and there are so many apps and tutorials online available that that can help with mindfulness but just being aware of when we judge um you know and we even judge them as good thoughts or bad thoughts let them just be thoughts and just notice observe what's going on in our body notice these changes and just also notice when we're judging um, and and trying to let some of that go can can help. I know that there are definite shifts hormonally postpartum. Like I remember my doctor saying, now day three or four, your milk's going to come in, baby blues. And I was like, I'm going to beat it. And, <laughs> and I remember sitting there and my husband was playing the guitar to the baby and I lost it. I was like, I can't handle this. And are there other stages? You know, we know there's seven stages of grieving. We know there are different stages in life transition are there stages within the perinatal pattern other than just the baby blues that you can shine a light on or is that the main one um that's probably the most common one and the one that we're most aware of I think what starts to happen is there's a bit more of a shift on the developmental milestones of baby and and you know, there's conversations about what happens in parallel to these milestones to the parent, mm. you know. So baby will start to settle into, or mum and bub will start to settle into a feeding routine, for example, and so you'll start to feel more confident about that. But then, as you know, you know, that will all turn upside down once there's a conversation about when to start solids. And, you know, so that can be a really confusing time for parents. And if you're a little bit anxious about feeding or if there were lots of issues with weight gain for baby, that can be a time of high anxiety for a lot of parents. So Mm. I think there isn't necessarily a focus on wouldn't it be nice though, right? At week four, you can expect this. (laughs) It's like the wonder weeks for parents. I would love that. Yes, 
yeah. But, you know, I think what what more happens, you know, there's more of a focus on, well, what are the milestones that baby's meeting? And then we often know that those milestones or the, the lack of meeting them or the transition can be a time of adjustment again for not just the parents but the household. Like all of a sudden, for example, when baby starts crawling, you're extremely aware of how dirty your floors are always are, you know, so that, you know, if there are some cleaning preoccupations that have, you know, have been bubbling away there, all of a sudden they really emerge. Um, so, yeah, that I would say is more what, what goes on. Fascinating. Our final question for everyone, for every expert is, and it's a difficult one, is, what would your one non-negotiable be with the mental health of the family unit or the mother in the postpartum part of life? Oh, I have to pick one. I know. (laughs) Remembering that um, what we're all working towards is making the best of the relationship between bub and their family. Yeah, I'm going to say mum, but really, you know, it's it's the whole family that, that's there. So what we should all be working towards, and this is what I think is not negotiable, is that that needs to remain the priority, mm. is, is protecting that, protecting that relationship. Um, yeah, it's just so important for... For everybody, really, but for you know, if we think about social emotional development and how baby copes with things later on in life, you know, it's just such a an important time when so many little pathways are being developed, and just having baby look at mum and have mum reciprocate that look. Mm. Oh, there's so many neural pathways happening just in that <laughs> super brief moment. So I really don't want. Um, people to underestimate that and that's what we should yeah. all be working towards encouraging Healthy attachment bonds yep beautiful thank you so much for oh, sharing my pleasure. your wisdom with us. it's been great thank you zoe i hope you enjoyed this week's episode of the deep if it's left you with any burning questions for me or our guests please hit us up by direct message on instagram at what's the deep Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.